the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Friday, July 22nd, 2022. Open lines Friday, 602-508-0960. While the January 6th hearings were taking place yesterday, you know about the violence on Capitol Hill that potentially threatened the safety of some members of Congress, even though no weapons were found. A member of Congress, a Republican, a Jewish Republican, was giving a speech in New York, and a man stormed the stage and attacked him with a The congressman thwarted the effort, as did a bunch of great others in the crowd who stormed the stage, and the attacker was arrested. He is now out on the street again, released on his own recognizance. Nancy Pelosi has said nothing about any of this. Neither has the president. Neither has the vice president. Just as they said nothing about the assassination attempt on Brett Kavanaugh. Meanwhile, an eminently nonviolent man, Steve Bannon, was just found guilty on misdemeanor for not complying with the January 6th subpoenas to testify to a one-sided investigated committee where Nancy Pelosi would not let the leader of the Republican caucus in the House appoint members to the committee. She said she wanted to be bipartisan and that she created As we think through all this, keep in mind the phrase opinion and principle hierarchy, opinion and principle hierarchy. Let me explain. But if you want the quick cut to the chase, it's that we conservatives and we Republicans simply shall not exist. We are not to be considered part of legitimate political movements, organizing, speech, campaigning, electioneering or governing. Maybe if you are Kavanaugh or Zeldin. Even living. Quad licit jovi, non licit bovi is the Latin version William Buckley used to describe this phenomenon. What is permitted to the gods is not permitted to the cows or swine, in the roughest translation. A female reader of Buckley's once wrote in asking for his translation of that phrase, and he wrote back, quote, This is an anti egalitarian aphorism, which very freely translated would say something like, Yes, but you're not Marilyn Monroe, close quote. What the left and Democrats say and do, conservatives and Republicans may not. We may not, for instance, and would not sick a lawyer on a Supreme Court nominee and invent rape charges against him to scuttle his reputation and nomination. The left and Democrats, no problemo. We may not and would not take a rape allegation against a nominee to the Supreme Court, hide it, conceal it, only to then publicize it and launch it months later at the most convenient political moment to scuttle or attempt to scuttle the nomination. The left and Democrats, no problemo. We would attempt to impeach Nancy Pelosi for declaring our presidential election was hijacked and that Donald Trump was an illegitimate president, as she tweeted and stated in 2017 and since. If Donald Trump says something similar, he will be subject not only to impeachment, but charged with inciting a riot. This is to say nothing of Hillary Clinton, Jimmy Carter, numerous congressmen and reporter op-ed journalists saying exactly the same thing routinely and multiple times about the 2016 election, which carried forth the narrative of the entire Trump presidency. 
It is disrespectful and racist for Republicans not to unanimously vote to confirm or at least celebrate the nomination of Ketanji Brown Jackson, as it was disrespectful and conspiracy theorist inspired to raise questions of and to hear about some of her previous judicial rulings that would raise eyebrows in any normal world. But it was fine and dandy when Ted Kennedy said of one of the most respected legal scholars and judges, Robert Bork, law professor to so many famous people, Hillary Clinton, when he was nominated to the Supreme Court, that, quote, Robert Bork is an America of back alley abortions and segregated lunch counters, close quote. Amy Coney Barrett gets nominated to the Supreme Court, and Professor Ibram X. Kendi can write about her and her adopted Haitian children this way. Quote, some white colonizers adopted black children to civilize these savage children in the superior ways of white people while using them as props in their lifelong pictures of denial, while cutting the biological parents of these children out of the picture of humanity. Close quote. That professor gets book publication deals galore, including children's books. He gets a speaker's bureau and several tracks to advise and portray his points of view. Ending for Levi Strauss tries to get the company to support opening schools for all children after the research showed that children were not in substantial spreaders of COVID, and she's forced to resign, even condemned as a racist. Donald Trump was banned and censored from Twitter. Ibram Kendi quoted above, Louis Farrakhan and the mullahs of Iran are not. Both refer, all of them refer to America as Satan and the state of Israel needing to be wiped off the map homosexuals as well. Riots over three months that led to billions of dollars of damage, courthouses, takeovers of police precincts, the loss of 30 lives and over 14,000 arrests are mostly peace and will get U.S. senators, candidates for vice presidents seeking donations to bail them out. An anarchist mob of several hundred causes no loss of life except one of their own shot in the back lasts for seven hours and they are tied to the entirety of the Republican Party as anti-democratic insurrectionists. We can play this game for hours. Donald Trump is the orange man. Jen Psaki's hair color wasn't even a tertiary color. No one said a thing. Ronald Reagan was a bigot. Al Sharpton is a civil rights leader. Ron DeSantis wants to keep schools out of the business of training five-year-olds to think of themselves as sex objects. Disney, a children's entertainment company, attacks Ron DeSantis and announces it will deliberately portray children's characters that way. DeSantis is the bigot. Disney is the enlightened. Standing for the national anthem when a Republican is president is racist. Standing when a Democrat is president is patriotic. Try this. Jeff Bezos, the second wealthiest man in the world, can buy and own the Washington Post. Elon Musk, the wealthiest or second wealthiest man in the world, cannot buy and own Twitter. Jeff Bezos is a liberal who owns liberal left newspaper. Elon Musk simply wants to open Twitter to avoid viewpoint discrimination, you know, so that conservatives and liberals, left-wingers and right-wingers can both speak and coexist. This is what cannot be allowed to happen. What is good for the gods is not good for the cows and swine. And the left and the Democrats see themselves as gods and conservatives or Republicans as swine. Not an equal playing field, non pari parsu in American politics. We are to be disappeared or vanished. Liberal Nelson Rockefeller staff put out a memo at the 1964 Republican convention saying their effort was, quote, to remove Barry Goldwater as a member of the human race, close quote. 
Right. All conservatives or Republicans out of the mainstream or rational stream of the American polity and effort to make us intermention or pariahs has been long coming and at a crescendo now. We are at best curious throwbacks to a time before an enlightenment being so fluid as to constitute whatever the left dreamed up as as yesterday. At worst, we are white supremacists. But the notion of superlatives being rare, like at worst and white supremacists, are increasingly less rare and decreasingly less common. May we go back to Professor Ibram X. Kendi a moment. He wrote a piece for the Atlantic Monthly, you know, the magazine that co-sponsored a forum at the University of Chicago on how to battle misinformation. His point was to identify four great untruths, four great lies the Republican Party constitutes today. I shall quote directly. He calls them, quote, four hugely false conceptual building blocks. Republican politicians care about white children. Anti-racist education is harmful to white children. Republican politicians are protecting white children by banning anti-racist education. And finally, the Republican Party is the party of white parents because it protects white children, close quote. I will spare you much of this claptrap, but I have to point out a couple of things. This is the professor who Jack Dorsey of Twitter gave $10 million to and is the professor who states, quote, one cannot be a capitalist and an anti-racist, close quote. It's the same professor who states, quote, the only remedy to racist discrimination is anti-racist discrimination. The only remedy to past discrimination is present discrimination. The only remedy to present discrimination is future discrimination, close quote. Count me old enough to recall when discrimination was something we wanted to eliminate, not concretize. Count me old enough to recall learning that when George Wallace intoned those same things, he was roundly condemned as a bigoted racist. In any event, just a little more as to why Kendi justifies his four lies he says the Republicans are trying to perpetuate. Bear with me. He writes, quote, every great myth is built on a foundational assumption, a fallacy widely assumed to be true. The foundational assumption of this great myth is that Republican politicians care about white children. But if they did, then they would not be ignoring or downplaying or defending or bolstering the principal racial threat facing white youth today. And I am not talking about critical race theory, which Republican propagandists have quite intentionally redefined, remaking it into a threat and obscuring the real threat. This is Kendi. What are white? I'm still quoting. What are white children being indoctrinated with? What is making them uncomfortable? What is causing them to hate white supremacist ideology? The toxic blend of racist, sexist, ableist, homophobic, transphobic, Islamophobic, xenophobic and anti-Semitic ideas that are harmful to all minds, especially when the naive and defenseless minds of youth are in play. Which group is the prime target of white supremacists? White youth, close quote. Now, I can give you a long and I should think helpful answer to all the fallacious assumptions built into this fair go of an attempted argument. But let me just raise one simple and I think devastatingly difficult to answer question. When did conservatives or Republicans anywhere start training teachers in and start writing textbooks supportive of, to quote, the toxic blend of racist, sexist, ableist, homophobic, transphobic, Islamophobic, xenophobic, and anti-Semitic ideas that is harmful to all minds, especially the naive and defenseless minds of youth, close quote. Honestly, serious question. When did we start doing this? When did this begin? Because I know something, actually, about textbooks and education. I can tell you the history and social studies and government books were, at least since the end of World War II, 1945, 
which is to say almost since 40 years before Professor Kendi was born, those books were written by political liberals, supportive of FDR and Lyndon Johnson-type Democrats. The authors even went to work for those presidents. And then starting in the mid-1970s and early 1980s, just a little before Kendi was born, these books yielded to much more progressive authors and texts, as the teachers by and large became part and parcel of the Democratic Party, just as the two largest teachers' unions started donating tens of millions of dollars to Democrats, over $30 million in donations in 2020. So when did we start implanting the things in schools Kendi says we did? Once the deployment of homophobic, sexist, and the rest of that litany into our curricula? We went from Howard Zinn's history book, first published in 1980, revolutionizing, I should say, upending America's understanding of history leftward. We went from that to the 1619 Project, which goes even further to actually change the date of our founding. The trend has been ever-increasing progressivism in our textbooks and teachers' colleges. We have gone from liberal to progressive to Marxist. But were the ones changing and implanting ugly and inimical doctrines? Nope. All we're doing is shining a light on it. What it? Oh, I don't know that race dictates thought and that gender is fluid and to be acted on as early as four years old? This is why Vaclav Havel, who well understood the abuse of language, could write, quote, If the main pillar of the system is living a lie, then it is not surprising that the fundamental threat to it is living the truth. That is why it, the truth, must be suppressed more severely than anything else, close quote. How best to suppress it? Give it names like racist, sexist, ableist, homophobic, transphobic, Islamophobic, xenophobic, and anti-Semitic. It is in this same Atlantic essay where Professor Kendi writes that Governor DeSantis's concerns about sexualizing the youth at ages five, six and seven in Florida public schools is based on, in his words, quote, QAnon conspiracy theories about public schools being overrun by child predators who are grooming children to be gay, close quote. Got it? Even the effort to simply not change the education of our children and their brains and emotions and social health, even just that effort to abjure introducing sexual thematics to five-year-olds, that's a QAnon conspiracy. This man is a professor. This man is a professor at an esteemed college which funds his work to the tune of millions of dollars a year. This man has the publishing houses begging for his work. And companies like Netflix throwing content contracts at him while Fortune 500 companies are throwing five and six figure checks at him to tell them about his theories on race and culture. Maybe it's not regime hierarchy exactly. And it's not, quote, licit Jovi exactly. It's an anathematization of what Thomas Jefferson said in his first inaugural, that we are all Americans, regardless of our points of view in the major parties, and that, quote, every difference of opinion is not a difference of principle, close quote. Well, here's the darned irony of it all. The left and the Democrats do now see us outside the acceptable and fully gripped by a difference of principle, not just opinion. But you know what? In a way, they are right. They are just looking at it from the wrong perspective. They have a distorted parallax view. 
we are in actuality opposing differences of principle here. What principle do we differ with? The leftist principle that can just as easily be labeled neo-Marxist as it can be Nazi. The notion that our genders and our skin colors dictate how we think and how we should think. Oh, yeah, and one more thing. We oppose the idea that discrimination is a good thing or ever called for. Sorry, not sorry. But do understand, this is the new ground we are forced to operate on, to practice our politics on. And if you want to understand the new calls for cancellation and censorship that have cropped up over the past decade or so with increasing fury, it is this. Tyrants, non-humans, after all, do not deserve freedom of speech or any respect at all whatsoever. When we finally absorb this, we will be able to operate with more political savvy. And remember this, too. As zero is said from Democrats about the mortal violence directed against Republicans and conservatives, we can now begin to understand why George Bernard Shaw said an assassination is the most extreme form of censorship. The Democrats are right. We live in an environment of political extremism. But they caused it, and they are the ones nurturing and nursing it. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, in part brought to you by the Midas Gold Group. Every day, more harmful decisions by the administration hurt the economy, robbing your savings and investments. Inflation, 41-year high, making your money worth less every day. And now there's a real possibility of a full-blown recession. You can't afford to lose more. But the good news is when investments fall, gold traditionally holds its value, which is why I recommend calling the Midas Gold Group to talk about safeguarding your wealth with precious metals. Veteran-owned Midas Gold Group. Give them a call at 480-360-3000, and they'll discuss with you the diversification of your investments. That's 480-360-3000 or MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com, the only metals dealer, Seb Gorka, myself, and many of you, thousands of you, already use. All right, this, uh, you know, I... I've been spending a lot of time with y'all talking about the image, the book by Daniel Borston, how we just kind of live in an image rather than in reality. This Joe Biden COVID thing, it's taken yet another turn that is just so odd and we all just kind of play along with. You hit the quick commercial break here and we'll come back on that. Also, happy to take your calls this open line Friday. Anything you want to contribute, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, 602-508-0960. So, um, weirdly, Wednesday, Joe Biden said uh, that he had cancer and no one no one took it too terribly seriously because they chalked it up to him just being addled in the head. And, of course, uh, I've been quoting this uh, this commentator who said, that's where we are as a country right now. A president can announce he has a life-threatening disease and everyone shrugs their shoulders because they know he's in mental decline and didn't mean it. And that's just fine and dandy for everyone. We just blithely go on in our lives thinking that's just perfectly okay. And I wonder if we do so. I, You know, I don't know if we do so, but I wonder if we do so because we know the alternatives are increasingly bad. Increasingly bad. Um, but... 
You know, the White House could do a little bit better at this. I just think they could. I don't know if they're infantilizing us or what would be the opposite, gerontalizing us or gerontology-izing us, gerontalizing us. I'm not sure which way they're going here, whether they think we're kids or they think we're all in nursing homes. This this is the weird thing. If you're old enough to have um, gone through what a lot of a lot of children over the age of 45 and 50 ultimately will go through, which is taking care of a of a um, of a of a parent or loved one who who is who is in mental decline. Any anyone who's gone through that will know and recognize this kind of speech. It's the kind of thing you would say to friends calling to inquire about your parent or loved one. This is the kind of thing you would say to them. And this is exactly what the White House COVID coordinator, Dr. Shaw, said today to reassure the country that Joe Biden is in fine fettle. Listen to this. Um, And as you all saw just a few minutes ago, the president is doing better. He slept well last night. Uh, He ate his breakfast and lunch. I fully, he actually showed me his plate. Didn't ask about the menu, but I did see an empty plate with crumbs, and I have some guesses about what was there, but didn't ask. He ate his lunch, he ate his breakfast, he finished all of it, he had a good night's sleep, he's doing well. Those of us who have gone through that with parents and loved ones and mental decline, that's exactly the kind of talk we, we, we engaged in. With people who were politely inquiring, oh, how's mom doing? I know it's been a rough haul. That's the kind of thing we say. We all recognize that immediately. Can they help us out just a little bit? Can they not play so to type just a little bit? Just a little? Can they give us a little bit of confidence in our leadership? More importantly, can they give the rest of the combinatory world a little bit of confidence in the United States of America's leadership. This is the commander in chief of the U.S. armed forces and the leader of the free world. Now, I get that the left and the Democrats don't like to think of us as the leader of the free world. I get that. They don't believe in American greatness. They don't believe in American exceptionalism. So I get that. But how about that fact that they believe he is the commander in chief of the U.S. armed forces? And how about the fact that they do believe on occasion it is necessary to bring in foreign leaders and to send him to foreign countries? To project America's position in the world. They do do that still, don't they? They still do that. Why would anyone respect? Why do you think the president of Mexico can thumb his nose at this president when the president comes to California to meet him at a closer destination? Why do you think he can get away with that? Why do you think that the leaders of Tin Pot, what? Tin tin Pot autocracies at best who rely on the United States, like Saudi Arabia, can thumb their nose at the president of the United States when he comes to visit them. This is not a country in command because it doesn't have a commander-in-chief in command. And everyone around him is doing their best to just kind of get through it. But my gosh, they're all sounding like gerontologists right now. I have no problem with the agent, of course. I hope you understand that. I have a problem with projecting those in mental decline into leadership positions of importance. This is the power of ideology. Ideology will blinker everything and everyone if it's accepted. 
And boy, they are force-feeding it to us now. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. There's a, uh, there's a site for sore eyes. Smitty, it's good to hear from you, man. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? We're bearing through it, man. We're getting through it. I know. I don't want you to think I haven't been listening. I just haven't been calling in. So <laughs> you're such you're, a sweetheart. I love the way you're you're grasping for justifications uh, for the behavior of this administration, and there is only one explanation, and it covers all their behavior. Yes, sir. And and it's not the way they view us as infants or old senile people. Gerontologically, I think, is how I meant to say it. I, I got a little tongue tied right, on that. But, Gerontologically, yeah. Go ahead. Right. Uh, they behave this way for one simple reason. Yeah. They can. Yes. There's no accountability. Yes, we don't right. demand accountability. Right. We don't ask follow hard follow up questions at the press conferences. Uh, we we and that's basically it. I mean, there's no Senate hearing with a subpoena out to the doctor. Right. That he should appear. And yeah, why can't the doctor talk? Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. You know, uh, and so, okay, next question. Yeah. You know, and we just move on and we accept it, and, you know, and, and that's pretty much governs A to Z on the behavior of the administration. Were period, you shocked? And that's just the way it's going to be. Yeah, it is. It's, it's this regime hierarchy, isn't it? It's this opinion principle hierarchy. But were you shocked Wednesday when he said, we all have cancer? Well, I I would I didn't hear it in the first instance. I was it was set up by whatever show I yeah, was watching, sure. and and I thought he might have, uh, you know, I was in, my initial reaction was he misspoke, yeah, um, and then it was explained, and then but what was interesting is so Joe they played the uh, speech from, I guess, a year ago when it was asthma because of the oil rain. <laughs> oh, um, I forgot about that. Uh, I forgot about same that. Speech. Yeah. Same speech. Yeah, okay. Just changed it from asthma to cancer. I uh, forgot you know, look, about that. Good for you. All look, right. Let's, let's just call it what it is. We know what we have. He's a liar. He's a fabricator. He's, uh, we thought Trump was a bloviator. Uh, he was a he. You know, Trump's lies were lies of exaggeration, not just not not outright plagiarism and lies. But nevertheless, we don't have a re Republicans at this point in the House or the Senate with a pair of brass ones who are going to take the reins and drive this home. And and that's very disturbing. Not today. But if we're going to make something out of the midterms and we're going to head into 2024 with a prayer, somebody's got to grow a pair and take charge. And I really don't see it yet. And and that's why this behavior continues. You know, one of, can. The, one of the interesting things will be, Smitty, on this point, one of the interesting things will be 
assuming Republicans win the House, which I, I sure hope is the case, God please, assuming that happens, it'll be probably one of the more interesting leadership battles we've seen in a long time. You know, we always talk about the first vote a congressman or a senator makes is for their party leadership. And usually they go with the guy or the gal who was the number, you know, who was who was the leader when they were in the minority. In this case, Kevin McCarthy. But I have to tell you, I I could see a very strong effort to put someone else in there in the first time in a long time and it might succeed. I'd have a candidate. I I could name a few candidates. Jim Jordan would certainly be at the top of that list. I don't know if you have a candidate. Yeah. Yeah. Someone like a Jim Jim Jordan, Jordan. Josh Hawley, Jim, Jim Jordan and Josh Hawley, you know, uh, Marsha Blackwell is Blackburn, phenomenal. Yeah, yeah Marsha Blackburn. Blackburn, I'm sure. sorry. Yeah, yeah. Blackburn. Yeah. Uh, look, bottom line is, here's the difference. The Democrats, if they were in this position where the Republicans are and looking at the midterms, the Democrats would already have caucused, figured out who the leadership is, and not risk the, an open battle when they get the vote. This is exactly right. This is exactly right and exactly also why kind of a pet peeve of mine and I don't you're in Scottsdale I don't know if this is yeah I think it is I think it's eminently true in Scottsdale this is why you see a ton of Republican candidate signs and not that many Democrat ones they ain't fighting with themselves correct they aren't writing the the talking points for the other party for the general election hey Seth Who's the leader of the Democrat Party? <laughs> Nancy Pelosi. It goes from Obama, Obama, Pelosi, and Schumer yeah. with an iron fist, period. Who's the leader of the Republican Party? Having a clue. See, that's the other Trump point. Is- that's the other point I wanted to raise with you, Smitty, because why are we in a situation where you, you're, you're using that analogy of, 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 uh, of, of brass, uh, bl- <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, <laughs> and, yeah. uh, of brass. And we're talking about, you know, who in our current situation, in our current Senate and House has that. And we would come up with, you know, we could probably come up if, with ten names. Between the two of us, we could. But that's a sin. We should be having an yeah. embarrassment of riches of names. And yet it would take us, you even, I, I could hear in the silence, you're thinking, could I get 10? I don't know, right? I think we can get 10. We probably could. Your Josh Hawley types and, you know, your Ted Cruz types and things like that. And say your Marsha Blackburn types in the house. You have but, a but, few Jim Jordan but, types. But it's, the, it's the, a sin yeah. that we have to reach to find 10. No, it's a sin that we have 10. We should have one. We should know who our leadership is. They should have already caucused those 10 and and decided for the sake of the party and to avoid the disruption of internal battles that that going forward, if they if we take control, a this is the leader, b this is the agenda and c this is the first 10 moves we're going to make. But they're going to wait to see how the vote comes out. And then it'll be 2023, June, July, before anybody comes around to actually coalescing power. And, and that's the problem. That's the problem. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And I'll tell you, you know, one of the ancillary benefits to what we're saying, which would turn into a meritorious benefit and a serious benefit, is if you did have a leader like a Jim Jordan, if you had a Jim Jordan in, in leadership, 
or at at the helm of the of of the party in 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 the house you know it's unavoidable that the leader would get invited on all the shows and jim jordan he's interesting he's never shrunk from going on cnn or any of the shows that invite him i kind of you know you want to admire that and that's good but he would be on there very routinely if he were the leader and it would help settle a lot of conversational problems and 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 impression problems about the Republican Party, because right now I'm in a bet right now. You know, everyone in this audience, anyone who listens to talk radio is is um, is is how shall I put this much more attuned to the news than the average American. Much more. Right. I mean, you're more informed. You're just a better informed citizen because you're turning into a news talk type station. And I am going to wager there's not one person in your shot, including you, Smitty, and including myself, that can remember a thing Kevin McCarthy has said on a Sunday show or on any other cable news show in the past three or four years. Not a thing. If Jim Jordan were the the leader, we'd be quoting him and sending the audio around all the time and help disabuse those who don't follow the news and aren't necessarily leftist liberals of the notion of what this Republican Party is in the definitions of what the media and Nancy Pelosi want it to mean. Leadership matters. Leadership really matters. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Thanks, Smitty. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, portions of which are brought to you by my friends at Y-Refi. If you are looking for a unique investment opportunity, a really great unique investment opportunity, check out my friends at Y-Refi. They're offering up a fixed no-load interest rate, up to 10.25% return for investors, all in a collateralized, secured portfolio. Y-Refi is a due diligence-approved firm, and uh, they are investors that do really well by doing good for others, and you can be too. If this interests you, check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, and then R-E-F-Y. Dot com or give them a call at 855-316-3087, 855-316-3087. Well, this, you know, this is unrelated to the news about Lee Zeldin, who is doing fine. He's back on the campaign trail today. But if you need an illustration of George Orwell's notion that the first ta- we have reached a point in society where the first task of the intelligent is the restatement of the obvious – just this is where we are in a country. You can't assume too much intelligence in any room. You just can't anymore. And um, understand that when you go and talk to people and debate with them as well. Have you heard this, Bill? Uh, I, I, I want to say yes, unless you're getting at something different right. than what I'm thinking. So I'm actually a veteran of the United States Navy. I was in Electronic Attack Squadron, okay. VAQ-139. I worked on aircraft. It is my testimony that the Earth is, in true, is truly flat and motionless. We're being lied to. So NASA used the CGI animation. Are you aware of this? So the blue marble that everybody thinks is Earth, that was made on a computer. Yeah, I, I, so personally, I, I strongly disagree. I believe that the Earth is round, and I've traveled the Earth. I've seen it from the sky as you're traveling on a, on a flight abroad, and uh, the uh, Earth is clearly round. This is, this is this is where we're at, where Congress people, Republican Congress people have to start reasserting that the earth is round because people are trying to promote the notion that the earth is flat. This is where we're at, folks. Um, and if you want to know about the decline of rhetoric in this country, I'll give you another George Orwell essay. It's George Orwell 
and it's uh, the politics in the English language. Politics in the English language. If you want a homework assignment for the weekend, you can read it in about an eight-minute sitting, probably. If you read slowly, nine. It's not that long. It's available freely on the Internet. It will explain everything. Um, it really will, which is why my favorite hashtag of these days, of this time that we are living in, is hashtag MOFA. Make Orwell fiction again. I'm Seth Leibson. George Kaloff coming up with the political scene, and we will be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 